Hello and welcome to the 17th episode of The Rate Debate. I'm Darren Langer, Head of Fixed Income at Nico Asset Management, and joining me is my co-portfolio manager, Chris Rands. Hello, everyone. It's the first Tuesday of June, and that means the RBA has just met. As the RBA indicated last month, um, the next announcement of any importance is likely to be in July when they determine the fate of YCC and, and, and quantitative easing. And they certainly uh, didn't disappoint today, Chris. It was a, a pretty much a, um, a, a business as usual statement. And we certainly didn't see um, any of the fireworks that we saw from the uh, RBNZ last week. What did you think of today's announcement? Yeah, I think when you look at what the RBA said today, it's essentially we'll be coming back in July to make some decisions. Basically, everything that you had seen over the past few months remain the same and we will find out more in four weeks' time, I guess. It's going to be quite interesting next month, I I think, We'll get a much better idea of whether the RBA is really um, serious about holding rates for as long as they say they are. Certainly today's statement, again, just reiterated what we already know. They believe rates are on hold until at the earliest 2024. So there's not much else to really say. Um, I don't know. Is, is there anything else you wanted to add based on what happened with the, the RBNZ last week? Yeah, it's probably interesting to, I guess, compare the way the two central banks act and and what they've said, you know, the market was probably getting a little bit positive from what the RBNZ did. I kind of find the RBNZ probably my favorite central bank to talk about because they have a real kind of shoot from the hip mentality. They tell you exactly what they're thinking and sometimes their forecasts will, will move around quite a bit. So basically what we've seen from the RBNZ over the past month is them kind of pointing a little bit more hawkish. So their forecasts for rate hikes have been pulled forward, potentially even to the back end of 2022 if the economic information aligns with with what they're thinking. So that is certainly more positive than what we probably would have thought they had said over the past few months because, you know, only three to six months ago, they were still potentially looking at negative interest rates, which is quite crazy to think about now. When I look at that, though, I kind of think it's a sign of what the market was wanting. You're starting to see a few central banks get more hawkish now, so the RBNZ with that timing, but we've also seen the Bank of Canada reduce the amount of QE that they're doing, and also it seems to be that the Fed is starting to put out some feelers on on how the market would feel about them tapering. So the RBA has certainly held their own line and said, you know, we'll, we'll come back to this in 2024 potentially, but we're starting to see a lot of other central banks, I think, bring a more hawkish messaging to the market. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks whether we see any signalling from various RBA deputy governors or the governor himself to give some sort of, I guess, pre-warning of what they might say in July. But at the moment, they just seem to to want to keep business as usual. I, I think I agree. I mean, we've also seen the Bank of England starting to talk about the possibility of needing to do something sooner than later. You know, the RBA and the Fed to some extent are still kind of business as usual, but the Fed, as you as you say, have been starting to do various uh, speeches about what could change. And it'll be interesting to see whether we see that from the RBA over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and I guess when you look at it from the central bank's perspectives, we've kind of talked about this, I guess, a little bit over the past few months, but GDP is released tomorrow, which will be today when this podcast comes out. And GDP will have basically taken back everything that it fell during the pandemic. So 
in terms of easy monetary policy, easy fiscal policy, an unemployment rate that is now kind of starting to get back down towards 5%, you do have to kind of start to look at some of these things and just think, how long will this easy policy be here? And at some point in time, will a central bank start moving it? One interesting thing that we have seen um, recently, Chris, is a small increase in fixed rate mortgages from some of the banks. There seemed to be a bit of kerfuffle that this was the beginning of a tightening cycle and that perhaps we've seen the lows in interest rates, at least for the consumer. Is it something you think people should be worried about or was it just really a function of the fact that cheap funding for the banks is starting to run out? I don't think that it's something really to worry about at the moment for as long as the RBA is telling you that they don't expect to move the cash rate until 2024. Obviously, the term funding facility, the quantitative easing, that's pushed bank spreads to some of the lowest levels we've seen over the past 10 years. And with that has come very cheap funding. So there probably will be a backup in fixed rate mortgages once that comes off. So the RBA has confirmed that the term funding facility, which was cheap funding for the banks, will end June 30. So I think it does kind of stand to reason that there will be a bit of a lift higher in in fixed rate mortgages over that period. But, you know, it's probably in the in the kind of 10 to 20 basis point realm, which in the grand scheme of things will be a slight tightening of conditions, but not enough, I think, really to knock the housing market off course. Yeah, traditionally, it's the variable rate that people generally should be looking towards to to see an official change in rates, not not fixed rate mortgages. They, they can change for all sorts of reasons, and they have been exceptionally low, as we've mentioned. The increases were fairly small, and it was quite interesting, though, to see the, the amount of speculation around you know, whether that was going to be the end of things for the bull run in housing markets. Um, Personally, you know, it it was a tiny change of of a few basis points here and there. I don't think it's going to derail things. And we've actually seen fairly strong house price increases. And I think our, our view is that we'll see a little bit more of that to come just yet. Probably a good indication that we've seen the bottom of the cycle unless we see, you know, another downturn in in economic activity. Yeah, if you look at the lead indicators for the housing market at the moment, you know, we talk about these lots in in the past. If you look at auction clearance rates, they're starting to come off, but they're still extremely high. And if you use those as a forward indicator, they're suggesting that house prices will be up about 15% year on year in, say, three to six months time. At the moment, they're up about 10. So that kind of gives you an idea of the quantum of, of what could be left to come over that period. But as well, if you use housing finance, that's another good lead indicator for house prices. It's pointing to house prices being up about 20 year on year. If you kind of look at the idea that, you know, fixed rate mortgages have gone up 10 basis points, it's really not enough to knock those lead indicators out of kilter. And I, I actually went and checked just the quantum of what these changes would mean. In Australia, the average mortgage balance is about $510,000. And if interest rates were to go up 1%, that would be an extra $60 a week. So it's not really tightening that the RBA wants to do at the moment. But when you're talking about 10 basis points, you know, you're talking about potentially an extra $6 a week. It's nothing that really changes the, the future outcomes. However, if we don't see wage rises start to come through, you know, that that kind of thing would actually tighten financial conditions for quite a number of people. What kind of magnitude of wage rises do you think we need to be able to compensate for uh, some of those hikes in interest rates when, when they come? Yeah, so if you assume that, say, the housing sector has taken on all the borrowing that they can 
over the past 12 months and they'll continue to do that over the next six months, then for that 1% increase that I said that brings a $60 increase in mortgage payments, we can also kind of then just look at what wages would do and how far wages moves weekly pay. So average household income is about $120,000 in Australia. If you assume that wages increase by 2.5%, that's an extra $35 a week. I kind of think of that, okay, well, if interest rates, if a 1% increase is $60, then at 2.5%, we need to see $60 come through. And that's about two years worth of wage gains. Now, it's a pretty crude way to do it, but I think it's a, a good way to show that the RBA needs those wage gains to come through to make sure that when they do start moving the cash rate, that they're not kind of hurting the household by making them pay more payments that they haven't seen come through in wages as well. Yeah, it certainly shows how fast financial conditions can can occur if they want to. You don't have to increase interest rates a, a large amount before people would start to feel some pain in the hip pocket. Um, whether that's enough to derail the, the economy or not is another question, but, but it's certainly uh, something people should consider. I guess that brings us on to the sort of next point. You know, what, what is going to lead to that actual increase in, in cash rates? And you know, the, the general consensus seems to be inflation is coming and that's going to be the catalyst for rates to eventually rise. What's your views, Chris, on, you know, we, we've seen and continue to see a, a lift in inflation from the very low levels that we saw during the, the COVID crisis. But almost every central bank globally is saying it's all transitory and that you need to look through the next couple of months and, and look forward to you know one or two years' time when it, it's likely to be more benign. What are you seeing out there? There's probably two good places to look uh, for this, and both the RBNZ and RBA in their statements of monetary policy pointed these out. The first is commodity prices and the second is the supply side constraints. If we start with commodity prices, if you just take US inflation at the headline level and do year-on-year -year commodity prices versus inflation, you basically get a pretty good indicator of what's going on in the inflation market. Now, the reason that headline CPI in the US has spiked to over 3% at the moment, in my opinion, is because commodities are up very strongly compared to where they were this time last year. So if you were to look at the commodity price index from June of last year, you will see that, you know, we're in the middle of a lockdown and commodity prices were really struggling. And now that we're trading on a reflation opening trade, commodity prices are kind of setting new highs and that's bringing with it some inflation. The problem with that index, though, is you look at it year on year and if the commodity prices don't keep pushing higher from here, then you'll actually have a more benign outcome kind of occur in the back end of this year. And I think for the central banks, at least, they're saying, okay, we're getting a very strong figure now, but let's just look forward to the end of this year and we'll probably be right back in that 2% range. So I think on that front, they, they are very correct in saying if you don't see commodity prices continuing to run, you can kind of sit back and say, at the moment, what we're seeing is transitory. If you shift to the supply side, though, I think this is potentially the harder kind of area to deal with. So a big reason that we're starting to see price pressures come through the economy now is that the supply chain can't keep up with the demand that is asking for goods as as we're coming out of this lockdown. So we've got huge amount of demand from a lot of stimulus from the fiscal payments, and we've still got supply constraints whether it's from factories not operating at full capacity or even when you look at what the RBA was talking about, the fact that we're not running a lot of international flights at the moment, which just adds to the cost of goods coming into Australia. Now, if you look at both what the RBNZ and RBA said, they expect that those supply constraints will slowly dissipate. And because of that, sometime in the back end of 2022, you'll probably expect again for prices to kind of drop back to a more normal level. So when you kind of put those two things together, both commodities 
and the supply chain aspects, there is a chance that coming into next year, we are looking at a, a less benign inflation outcome. But the challenge of being the central banker, I guess, is deciding whether this is real and it's going to continue on or whether or not you think it's going to be transitory. Yeah, certainly the government is is going to be very reliant on seeing commodity prices at least hold where they are given the amount of revenue they're getting from iron ore at the moment to help with uh, their uh, fiscal policy. But um, it, it's hard to imagine commodity prices do eventually come off again. It's hard to imagine they'll stay at these kinds of levels. So it's going to also present a few challenges from the fiscal side of things too for governments. If they want to keep maintaining their spending, they're not going to get the windfall gains that they've had from the last couple of months. So yeah, it's going to be a very tricky, tricky time. I guess one of the worst outcomes could be that we we get the inflation, but we also get the, the drop in growth. And that would be a double whammy for people to have to deal with. Yeah, and I think as well, kind of when you look at what the RBA is saying at the moment, we, we kind of had a bit of a discussion about what their true messaging is at the moment. I think this is why they're so focused on wages. If you want kind of consistent inflation that kind of withstands a cycle, then what you really want to see is wages growth in that kind of 3 to 4% range. So the RBA's real target, I think, is to get the unemployment rate low enough so that they get wages growth at a level that is going to be consistent with inflation. And when you read their statement, what they're saying at the end of the statement is they will hike rates when inflation is in that 2 to 3% band consistently. And the reason that they're saying it's going to be 2024 at the earliest is that is when they believe that wages growth will be high enough. So given that backdrop, Chris, one of the things we obviously have to do is work out where bond yields are going and the best places to, uh, to be invested over the next couple of months. Obviously, for a fixed rate bond fund, higher rates uh, are not a good thing in general. But I mean, our, our general feeling at the moment is that longer term rates are probably done as much adjustment as they need for what the current inflation outlook is, which is, you know, going back into the RBA's two to three band, but not significantly above that. The one thing to us that probably look underpriced is the front end of the curve. Um, given you know YCC has been holding those rates down, that's probably the one place we would expect rates to adjust the most. Is there any sort of other things that you're seeing um, that we should be looking out for? Yeah, when I think of rates, generally I like to use the spread to cash as the the key metric that I use for for quite a different uh, maturity points. If you look at the ten year government bond at the moment, it's actually at about 150 points over cash. And that is historically a level where bonds have struggled to keep going through. So from that perspective, I think that back end of the curve has really started pricing the positive environment that we're in. And then the question to me comes for the future is do you believe the RBA can hike? If the answer is no, they they're not going to hike until 2024 or potentially further out, then in my opinion, those long end rates are starting to look really attractive. But if the answer is yes, I believe the RBA can hike the cash rate potentially earlier, then there needs to be a more nuanced discussion around how high do we think the cash rate can go? How fast do they think they're going to hike? Where is it going to end up? Because that's when we can use some of our metrics to try and judge where the cash rate will be. But I think to come back to to what you said, given where we are and what the RBA is saying, it is the, the 10-year part of the curve that looks like it's priced the current outcomes, but the front end of the curve, three-year bonds and less, because they've got the yield curve control, they're really not pointing to a positive environment at the moment because the the central bank is in there just keeping it pegged at 0.1. Yeah. The, the other thing that'll be tricky um, is how central banks unwind policy. 
obviously the different levers that they have affect different markets in different ways. Risk assets are very much um, influenced by what's happening with quantitative easing. And, you know, if we start to see, particularly in Australia, the RBA start to take that away, we're likely to see some impact on credit spreads, maybe on equities as well. But again, you know, the shape of the yield curve will be affected if all they're really looking at doing is adjusting the interest rate policy. You know, that's going to, as we said, hit the front end of the yield curves, but probably likely to have less impact on other types of assets. It's going to be quite a, a tricky way coming out. And hopefully July will give us a little bit more idea of what the RBA is thinking. But I think, you know, the other thing that could also um, derail some of this is the currency. One of the reasons uh, central banks have all done QE is to try and keep their currencies as attractive as possible and as competitive as possible. Obviously, that can't continue on once people start to unwind quantitative easing. And we've seen that a little bit with the um, Bank of Canada and the Canadian dollar that has risen reasonably significantly since they started to unwind some of their QE program. That'll be something that the RBA will be very wary about. They do not want the Aussie dollar to rise too much. And given the boost that they're getting through the iron ore price, the last time we had iron ore prices, obviously not as high as what they are now, but very, very high. You know, the Aussie dollar was around parity to slightly over the US dollar. So I don't think that'll be something the RBA would like to see anytime soon. Yeah. And I guess as well, that that comment that you made about the currencies moving and, and stuff like that is that's kind of very obvious as well when you look at what the RBNZ did the other day. So when they came out and said that when they moved those forecasts for cash potentially into 2022, the New Zealand dollar popped higher, bond yields popped higher, and, and that's obviously going to tighten financial conditions in New Zealand relative to the rest of the world. So if you kind of start talking that we're ready to move in 2022 and you're not actually ready to go, you might actually hurt your economy a little bit more than you expected and delay the whole process because the financial markets will start picking on you from a currency and interest rate perspective. Yeah, definitely. It's certainly not going to be a smooth uh, smooth ride out of this uh, as some people seem to think. You know, it's not just a matter of tightening policy, it's how you tighten policy. And I guess we're going to have lots to talk about over the next couple of months as we either start to get closer to that or at least start speculating a lot more about it. Well, that's it for this month. Uh, to read our latest insights or subscribe to our insights email, visit our website at nicoam.com.au. So tune in next month when we deliver our latest thoughts on the RBA's July rate decision and provide an update on what's been happening in markets. Until then, stay safe. The portfolio manager's views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily reflective of the wider Yarra Capital Management Group. This podcast was prepared by Nico AM Limited, ABN 9900337625 AFSL number 237563. It is of a general nature only and does not constitute personal advice or an offer of any financial product, does not take into account the objectives financial situation or needs of any individual. Any references to particular securities or sectors are for illustrative purposes only and this is not a recommendation. Any economic or market forecasts are not guaranteed.